For over 5,000 years of documented history, people have been using the cannabis plant as medicine. From ancient Chinese medical journals to the modern-day dispensaries, cannabis and its many medical uses have found their way to every continent on Earth. Today, as the prohibition against this plant is slowly being lifted around the world and our technological capacity grows exponentially, we finally have the opportunity to discover what this plant is truly capable of. Please join me, Matthew Myro, as I speak with the remarkable innovators working at the cutting edge of these discoveries. This is the Edge of Cannabis Medicine. This episode is brought to you by MJ.com and their brand new medical platform that they're rolling out in the San Francisco Bay Area. Have you visited MJ.com? MJ.com is the most trusted information source for all things cannabis. Whether you're a medical marijuana patient looking to find the right doctor or a consumer looking for exclusive savings at your favorite dispensary, MJ.com can bring you your favorite products right to your front door. Or maybe you're just a lover of the cannabis culture looking for the best original articles, interviews, podcasts, and educational information. MJ.com is the number one place to find everything you need. Visit MJ.com today. Hello, beautiful people. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Edge of Cannabis Medicine podcast. You're here because you are curious about cannabis as a medicine, and you know that this show brings you incredible information week after week from growers, from geneticists, from physicians, from researchers, anybody who's doing anything of importance in the medical cannabis field. I'm trying to speak to them. I'm trying to bring their wisdom their knowledge to you, my wonderful listeners. And speaking of you, if you haven't taken a time yet, please go over to Apple or Stitcher or wherever it is that you are listening to this and leave me a rating. These ratings really, really help the show to get to more ears so that more people can have this poignant knowledge about this powerful medicine, and we can make the changes within our society, within our culture, to remove these stigmas so that people can understand on all levels, from the top of the government all the way down to the the curious mother who just wants to find some kind of natural remedy for their ailing child. This type of show and the ratings that you give for these types of show help keep bringing these episodes to you, to the public, so that this important wisdom and information from my incredible guests can keep getting out to you all. So please go over and do that if you haven't already. And also, I would just love to hear from you. Matthew at edgeofcannabismedicine.com is the email address. Send me a message. Let me know what you think of the show. Let me know if there are guests that you'd like to have on. Anything and anything. I'll do my best to answer your questions as quick as possible. And so, without further ado, I'm going to bring you this week's episode with Ann Allworth, PhD. We had a really great time talking. She's brilliant in what she does. She is a researcher into all things endocannabinoid system related, and we go deep. We get a little geeky in the science. You will learn a ton from this. As a matter of fact, it was so long and so 
information packed that I decided to break it up into two different parts. So this first part you'll get this week and then following week there'll be the second part. So without further ado, enjoy part one with Ann Allworth, PhD. I am Matthew Myro, and this is the Edge of Cannabis Medicine podcast, and today's guest is Ann Allworth, PhD. Ann is the founder and CEO of Cannabis Education Solutions. She is an award-winning educator, an experienced cell biologist with a research background on the cellular aspects of embryonic development and cancer. After 19 years in medical academia, including nine years in a, as an assistant professor at the Howard University College of Medicine in Washington, D.C., Anne did a 180 and entered the natural product industry where she used her science and medicine background to design, develop, and deliver robust educational programs about the immense value phytonutrient-rich foods and herbs have to optimal health and well-being. Next, she embarked on the independent study of the endocannabinoid system, endocannabinoids, phytocannabinoids, terpenes, flavonoids, and the complex interactions amongst these components. She then founded Cannabis Education Solutions to educate on the extraordinary benefits of cannabis to human health. And as a member of the National Cannabis Industry Association's Scientific Advisory Committee, on the board of directors of the Cannabis Patients Advocacy Association, and on the editorial board of the American Journal of Endocannabinoid Medicine, the world's first peer-reviewed printed medical journal focusing exclusively on endocannabinoid science and medicine. With over 35 years creating and delivering presentations, lectures, and training programs, she is a powerful, inspirational speaker and a strong advocate for human health. And that was a wonderful, wonderful bio. I'm so thrilled to have you on the show and can't wait to dig into more. Well, thank you, Matt. I'm very, very happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. After seeing all that, how could I not want you here? <laughs> I don't know. You know, I just, I, I love to, I love to learn about the body and teach about it. So that's just my thing. <laughs> that's great. Well, let's jump in there. And as we were just talking about before I hit record, we were saying that you took a turn from more allopathic medicine into the natural remedies and it changed your life. You mind going into that just a bit? No, not at all. Actually, I, you know, I'm happy to, because it's one of the things that I think is really important relative to you know, what public needs to know because so much of the public thinks that allopathy is the only option that you have. And it really isn't the only option that you have. So, and of course, I didn't know that when I was in all uh, deep into uh, allopathic medicine as a medical school professor, you know, you, you just, you don't, you don't delve into that area because everybody talks about its foolishness and its woo-woo medicine and all those kinds of things. But the fact is, is, you know, after I left academia and began studying about, you know, the, the vast health importance to plants and, you know, the food we eat and all of those things, like, we, you know, you mentioned the phytonutrients. Um, and then I learned beyond that in just in terms of general health, but, you know, I, I was at the time taking blood pressure medicine and cholesterol medicine, and I'd been taking it for years and years and years. And then I learned that 36, 36% of people who take blood, the, the particular blood pressure medicine I was taking end up with congestive heart failure ultimately. And 37% of people taking the cholesterol meds I was taking end up with congestive heart failure for two very different reasons. 
two mechanisms. So that's like a synergy, a bad synergy. I, I hate using the word synergy for something bad, but in fact it happens because congestive heart failure can be caused by a number of different mechanisms. So I saw that and I was like, and I, and of course nobody's telling you this while they're, you know, prescribing the medicine to you. So I, you know, took it upon myself to, you know, have a conversation with the person that I had met when I first entered the natural product industry and, you know, was part of the in, in training that I had for the company that I was working for and so on. But we talked about, you know, he talked about all the various kinds of medicinal plants and herbs and things that you can take for things like controlling blood pressure, things like controlling cholesterol. And so then I just developed a program and I went you know, pretty quickly off my cholesterol medicine because it wasn't quite as scary as going off blood pressure medicine, um, particularly because my blood pressure was really quite high. And, um, but so I took me a while, it took me time, I took more time, but I added, and there were many supplements that I took, but in fact, my blood pressure is regulated, my cholesterol is regulated, and I have no longer got the side effects that both those medications were, you know, giving me. So my quality of life is better, and the actual problems that exist in my body were resolved rather than just covered up. Yeah. And so was it, sorry, go ahead. No, which is, which is the problem with allopathic medicine. And often, I mean, not, not in in all cases, of course, if you, you know, you have your arm broken in half and the bones are sticking out, you know, you got to go, there's no cam, no chamomile or calendula is going to fix that. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So, there are times when it's necessary, but you know, it's, it's something that it doesn't, it doesn't need to be, you know, what everybody is using. It's not the solution to healthcare by any means. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. And so was it plant-based that you were going with your supplements? Oh yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, there were all kinds of things. There were, you know, there were some B vitamins of course, um, but there, you know, there's Google and, and it's still things that I take. Google and um, polyclosinols and magnesium and Hawthorne and, and CoQ10. And there's like, I wish I had my box of supplements because I take kind of, those are the main ones though. Those are the main ones that I take. Um, And garlic is another one. So, you know, there, there are many supplements that you can take that help and they, and they do different things. So that's why, it's important to look and see what they're doing. Rice bran is another one that, that I have. And, and there's another, I have a cholesterol formula that has a bunch of different things in it as well. But you, the real fact is that, is that there are vitamins and herbal supplements in, you know, that you can buy, that you can take. And there are other things too. I mean, it's not just, you know, when you, if you have a high blood pressure issue, and you want to resolve it, you need to do more exercise too. You need to eat the right things. It's not just a simple thing of take this. It's not, you know, have, getting to your optimal health is not just about putting something in your mouth that is going to fix it. Right. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> and so when did cannabis come into the picture for you? Well, you know, that's an interesting thing. I started telling you in, in our little uh, talk that we had before we started. Um, I, so I, I had been, you know, teaching in about the body, but in March of 2019, um, my position as an educator, as an educator for this whole food supplement company was eliminated in a financial reorganization. So I was like, not ready to be retired. 
and I don't really, I mean, I, you know, I, I love what I do. So, you know, I didn't really want to be retired. Um, but I thought, well, let me get a, a friend of mine slash former colleague said, you know, you should, you should get in the cannabis industry. You'd be great in the cannabis industry. And I was like, well, I never even thought of it. And then immediately I thought, yes, this is going to be beautiful because I had, I had, I had actually gotten a medical cannabis card about three years prior to that because I had a condition called polymyalgia rheumatica. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's a, it's a real, they don't, it, they don't have it under autoimmune diseases typically, but you know, they talk about that it probably is one, but it's a very strange inflammatory um, autoimmune. It's your immune system doing it because you know, it's not, it's not, there's no uh, organism involved. Um, and it just, for whatever reason, the immune cells are attacking the joints of the shoulder and hips, the shoulders and the hips only. And, and it's, it's, uh, it's a very strange phenomenon, but when you have it, you, everything, you move and everything hurts because, you know, your shoulders and your hips are kind of attached to everything. So uh, anyway, I, w of course, went to a doctor and um, I don't know why I say it, of course, because I don't really go unless, <laughs> unless I have to, because, you know, I just don't, but the, um, the thing is, is they said, well, this is what you have. And, oh, my C-reactive protein was like off the chart. Um, and that's, you know, that's a measure of inflammation in your body. And so that was off the chart. And so, of course, they, their immediate response was, we need to put you on prednisone. And I said, well, um, I, and, and we need to put you on prednisone. And I said, I, I don't really take prednisone. I don't want to take prednisone. Well, you're going to have to take prednisone, um, you know, for the rest of your life, basically, <laughs> I said, I'm not taking prednisone for one day, much less the rest of my life, <laughs> because that's the most absurd thing I've ever heard. <laughs> you know, it, it was shorten my life. <laughs> right. And anyway, so that led to me learning, you know, I, I, I went online and did a bunch of research and, you know, I learned that, you know, cannabis was one of the things that potentially could um, help with that. So, and I also learned that there were some Indian herbs as well. So in transparency, it wasn't just cannabis um, that was involved. But I don't know. And you can't tell because I didn't you know, do one and then the other. Um, I had uh, started the Indian herbs first because it was, I was able to get them quicker. With the, you have to go through to get you know, a cannabis card and all that kind of thing. But um, I, I do know that it was just a tiny bit better really with the the herbs, the Indian herbs, but then with the cannabis, it was just gone in like probably less than two weeks. Yeah. And that, you know, that's, that's pretty common in the yeah. Ayurvedic tradition and also the Chinese herbalism, traditional Chinese medicine. Yeah. Cannabis has been used for what, four or five, 8,000 years. Yeah. yeah. And it's always used in conjunction with other herbs and with mm -hmm. other plants. And so that, that's actually pretty common and it's a yeah. smart way to go, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it and it's, you know, I the interesting thing is is that at that time I was, you know, I didn't really pay much attention scientifically to it because there was a whole bunch of things going on and um none the least of which was, you know, how I was feeling, but um as as time went by there were some other things going on and I, and I and I find it so weird because I didn't I was curious about it, but then I thought, no, they're plants that heal the body. And so I still didn't know about the endocannabinoid system. And it wasn't until my friend said, you know, do you, 
you think you want to be involved because, and I was, yes, of course. And she's, and she said, well, I think I can get you a job pretty quickly. She says, you know, I work for this. And she had gone from where we worked together to another company, which was one of the huge cannabis companies. And she was the director of marketing. And I, and she's one of these very positive people and thinks, you know, I know you, you're great. You, you're going to be great. We need an educator, blah, blah. You're going to get a job. <laughs> and so I, I got off the phone with her and I went on Amazon and I, bought some books and uh, 20 minutes later, because, you know, I, I bought like six or seven books. I wanted to be ready for this interview that was going to be co- happening next week, you know? So I went, on Amazon, <laughs> I went on Amazon and bought a bunch of books. And then um, 20 minutes later, um, I don't even think it was 20 minutes, pops up on my screen, Cannabis Science Conference, Baltimore. Um, and, and it was three weeks away or four weeks away, the, the conference. And it's like, you know, 30 minutes from my house. And I was like, oh, this is really weird. So so then I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to that. And so I just, you know, I got some tickets. And then and then I was like, well, I, I'm just going to walk up there and I'm just going to be walking around. I guess I better have a business card. So then I decided, well, I guess I must have a company if I'm going to have a business card. <laughs> And that's how it, that's how it happened really, because by that time, you know, I didn't know about the endocannabinoid system and I didn't think about the business cards until some weeks later, but you know, I'm thinking about going to a conference, I'm going to a conference and I have nothing to hand people and I'm going to want to talk to them. And I did want to, you know, get, have an opportunity to meet people where I might have to get a job and all those kinds of things. Um, But it was great. I mean, I, the books, I immediately saw the, as soon as I saw the endocannabinoid system, I was just like, and I, will, I won't say what, it, what I actually said, because it's not really couth to say it, but it, you know, it was just like WT something, right? <laughs> and it was, it was just, I couldn't believe that this system existed and I didn't know about it, you know, because I thought I knew everything about the body and, <laughs> and I didn't. And I didn't know something about something in the body that's probably more important than any other thing in the body. <laughs> you know yeah yeah. without without question in my mind it's you know it's more important because it just is so widespread and so vast in all the things that it does sure well in all fairness nobody knew about it until the early 90s so yeah i know and i was you know i was i was done with school at that point so and even if i wasn't they still not teaching it in school yeah no they're definitely not teaching in school which you know it needs to change it's wrong it's just wrong and and that's something that you know i also want to change is um you know with my company the goal of the and and the reason you know i thought once i got into it and I realized this that people need to know and I found out they didn't know so another thing another book that I bought after I learned about the endocannabinoid system was um, it's called Guyton and Hall's medical physiology and it is you know is a book that's used in medical schools all over the country it's a big fat book it's got like I don't know 2100 pages and it's the 8 by 11 heavy you know one of those the 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 index doesn't have the word endocannabinoid in it not only do we not have endocannabinoid system, we don't even mention endocannabinoid in the major physiology textbook used in medical schools. Now, there's a few medical schools that have some few little mentions of it, but there's hardly any, you know, doctors that are really aware of it. It's, you know, it's, and it's not okay. And it's not okay that the general public doesn't know it either. So those were my, you know, my main uh, drivers for starting this company. And, you know, it's, 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 I want desperately to have some kind of an avenue where 
everybody in the world knows they have an endocannabinoid system so that they can make a choice to, you know, use that as their medicine or use the things that, um, you know, allopathic medicine is offering them for, you know, there, there could be people, there are people and the people who are my age and even younger than my age, as you probably know, you know, they take six, seven, eight medications and they could be taking one medication, maybe two strains, but, you know, they don't need to be having those side effects. They don't need to be having those drugs in their system. That they're, you know, it's just the way it, it is and it doesn't have to be that way. There are a lot of people, fortunately, there are a lot of folks who believe like I do, and I'm sure you do, that, you know, this is, this is the medicine that is, is the, the way to go for healthcare to be really successful. 100%. Couldn't agree more. So it seems like you were at a great advantage because of your history as a researcher and, and going through your PhD and all of that. So being able to get on a rocket ship and learn everything you could about cannabis and the endocannabinoid system and all that, I imagine that was pretty helpful. Yeah, it was very helpful. I, I, my background was very helpful for sure. But the other thing was, is the excitement I had because it was like rejuvenating, you know, and, and it was felt like I was in grad school again. You know, I, I really felt I was studying and writing, and meeting people and, you know, just having a good old time. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's go. So, so let's tell everybody, let's get into it. What is the endocannabinoid system? The endocannabinoid system is really a very different kind of system than all the rest of our systems in our body, which, you know, the body has systems in their made of a bunch of different organs that act together to, you know, to perform a function. And that's true that the endocannabinoid system performs a function, but there are no organs of the endocannabinoid system, yet the endocannabinoid system is in all organs. So that's kind of bizarre right off the bat, which is why, you know, I said earlier, I think it's the most important system in the, in the body because it is everywhere and it, and it, and it's involved in many important functions. But let me let me get back to exactly what it is. So it's made not it's made up not of organs, but rather of molecules. So there are three sets of molecules, and I'm going to describe it as its ba- at its basic, which is you know it's much more complex than that because there are more as time has gone by, more and more um, receptor molecules have been found. But there are, there are three components to the endocannabinoid system, and they're all molecular. One the first is the receptors. The second is the endocannabinoids, and the third is the enzymes. So the receptors, so for, for listeners, they may not understand that, you know, receptors. I don't know how, what you think, how you think you're, it would be great to have like a little conversation about a cell so that people could understand a little bit yeah. more what I'm talking about. Please, please let's because, do it. Because that's one of the things that's very different about the endocannabinoid system is that it's on all cells. So the molecular components of the endocannabinoid system are in pretty much every cell in your body. And cells are like the smallest living, they're not like, they are the smallest living component of the human body or any living organism. And so the cells, they have an outer membrane, which is called the cell membrane. And then they have a cytoplasm where everything goes on in the cell and the nucleus has the DNA and the DNA gives the instructions for what the cell is supposed to do. But the cell has to act in conjunction with all the rest of the cells in your body in reality. The cells of the heart are going to act more intimately with each other than they're going to act 
react with other cells of the body. But fact of the matter is, is that cells need to be able to communicate with each other, whether they're next door to each other or whether they're, you know, three feet away. And the way that they do that, or one of the ways that they do that is via receptors, which are molecules that sit on the surface of the cell that receive messages from molecules that are floating in the cellular fluid or the extra cell, not in the extracellular fluid outside the cell or in the bloodstream. So those molecules are called ligands and they bind, they actually physically connect to the receptors. And when they, when a ligand physically connects to a receptor, it changes what happens in that cell because that message came and says, okay, now you must do this. So the ligands in the case is the second category, which are the endocannabinoids. Those are ligands and they bind to the receptors, which are, you know, also part of the first part I described. The third part are the enzymes that that break down, that respectively break down the endocannabinoids. So we have two major um, enzymes that are called FAAH and MAGL. The, The ligands or the endocannabinoids are called uh, anandamide, which we, we're just going to call AEA, and 2-acylglycerol, um, di- well, whatever it is, 2-AG. So we had AEA and 2-AG. Those are the endocannabinoids, and they bind, they interact with the receptors to mediate the action of the endocannabinoid system. And that happens in every cell. And so how it kind of works is that there are ligands, there are, there are, a ligand is something that binds the receptor. So AEA and 2AG bind to the receptors, which are cannabinoid receptor 1 and cannabinoid receptor 2. And they then, those interactions maintain balance in that cell. And that happens all over the body. So the global function of the endocannabinoid system is to maintain balance or what we call homeostasis. So balance is something that is very important because, you know, when you don't have homeostasis, you have what's called dis-ease, right? And the thing about, about the endocannabinoid system is that even though it's very different from every other system in that it doesn't have the same structural components, it still can have dis-ease itself. So it's nobody calls it endocannabinoid system disease. They call it endocannabinoid system deficiency or an endocannabinoid system disorder. But the reality is, is that those things exist. And we know there's lots of evidence that show that, you know, this certainly deficiencies are responsible for things like PTSD and fibromyalgia and multiple sclerosis and the responsible in the sense that we know that the endocannabinoid system deficiency exists in those patients who have those conditions and that when you give them cannabis, it resolves some of those conditions, even though they've had maybe five, six, eight, 12 different medications that have done nothing to resolve the problem. And why? Because those medications are not targeting the endocannabinoid system. And even the medications that do now, we have some, there are a few FDA approved drugs that are used and they're not, they're, um, they're from the cannabis plant, but they're not the whole plant. And so the real benefit to the endocannabinoid system of cannabis is the whole plant because of something called the entourage effect that exists in the cannabis plant because of all of the, you know, there are over 500 chemicals, different chemicals in the cannabis plant, as I'm sure you know. And about 200 of them are, are, phytocannabinoids, which interact 
potentially interact with our receptors of our endocannabinoid system, which is why it is the very special plant that it is. Because, you know, we know there are, there are many, many plants that have health benefits all over the place. You know, I mentioned to you about the, the blood pressure medicine that I was taking and how, you know, plant medicine was able to actually resolve that. There are many kinds of plants that have medicinal value, but there is no plant that has the medicinal value that cannabis has relative to its ability to fix problems, you know, physiologic problems with the endocannabinoid system itself. And so then the phytocannabinoids within the plant act in a similar way as these ligands do? Yes, they are. They are considered ligands. A ligand is anything that binds to a receptor. So they're, so like neurotransmitters are ligands. So, you know, a nerve sends a, a signal from one nerve to the next nerve and that binds to a receptor. So that neurotransmitter is then they're definitionally a ligand. So we have our endogenous, the ones we make in our body, uh, cannabinoids that are the endocannabinoids AEA and 2AG, but they actually um, bind, both of those bind to the um, to CB1 and CB2, but they have different properties. There's a whole complexity to it, but the fact of the matter is that the cannabis plant has, you know, two major cannabinoids, phytocannabinoids that bind, and those, of course, are THC and CBD. But CBD doesn't literally bind. It's not actually considered a ligand. It does something different, which is, you know, why in the beginning when I started talking about this, you know, sort of the basics of the endocannabinoid system, I put it right out there that it, this is the simplified version because the, the fact of the matter is, is that there are at least, you know, 10 other potential receptors that bind phytocannabinoids and endocannabinoids. That the complexity of the complexity of the system is very, it's like off the charts because of all the chemicals that are in cannabis and all of the different receptors that are on cells and because of the interaction of all the chemicals in cannabis interacting with all of the things that are on the cell. It's like, a, it's like almost like a dance of the ligands with the receptors. And relative to THC and CBD, uh, you know, THC binds to both CB, the CB1 and CB2 receptors, but CBD does not bind to either one of them unless there's like a really uh, a big short, uh, you know, a shortage of the CB1 receptor expression. But what it does have an effect because it binds to some other things and then causes changes in the receptors to happen. So that's part of the reason why, you know, people who are people who take THC want to take THC. They don't want to get they don't want to have a any kind of a um, of an experience of uh, intoxication, perhaps, or anything that makes them uncomfortable. They will take some they'll take some strain that has a good amount of CBD in it because that will um, ameliorate the effects, the intoxicating effects of the THC because of the way it changes how THC can now bind to both of those receptors, even though it doesn't bind to it itself. So it's not a ligand, but it, it, is, it has a, a powerful ability to change how those receptors behave. <laughs> Very interesting. So it's like yeah. an influencer. Yes, it's like an influencer. Exactly. <laughs> huh, very cool. And so what? this might be getting a little bit into the weeds. Oh, <laughs> um, but, but what are some of the other receptors that CBD does actually connect to? Well, there's something, there's, there's something called TPBR1. There's something called uh, 
GP, uh, G protein, GP, G protein coupled receptor 55, G protein coupled receptor 18. There's a whole bunch of the G protein coupled receptor no numbered. Um, those are the main ones. Um, there's, uh, and, and then there are other interesting things that happen because there are things that happen within like the, dop the dopamine pathways. There are things that happen within the serotonin pathways based on things happening within the endocannabinoid system and those receptors that are responding to either endocannabinoids or phytocannabinoids. So it's a very complex system, and yet it's, you know, something that people are learning so much about now. You know, we didn't know about it. I, when I first learned um, about the endocannabinoid system back in uh, March of 2019, I, you know, I first Googled um, the NIH, um, you know, website that you can go to, PubMed, and there were, I think there were 4,900 and something. And now there are 5,900 and something in just over, a little over a year of, of peer-reviewed research papers that, you know, are on the endocannabinoid system. And the information that we're learning is, is just, it's, it's, it's exploding and it's mind-boggling. <laughs> it's, it really is because think about it, you know, the endocannabinoid system is, I started saying this earlier, it's on every cell. So, and it maintains balance. So it's like, you know, it's like sitting there and it has some way of knowing that this is something's wrong and, and fixing it just immediately. And it's doing that all the time and, and all kinds of enzymatic reactions that are happening in cells. I mean, there are thousands of them and there are trillions of cells. <laughs> you know, the math of that is, is just, you know, I don't think we have the capacity to even imagine that number. Well, the whole thing is kind of outrageous. It's almost like it's like you could tell someone that they didn't know that there was a nervous system. And then all yeah. of a sudden it's like, oh, we found this amazing thing inside of our body and we don't know anything about it. So let's get mm -hmm. studying, folks, because mm -hmm. it affects everything. Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, it's, it's wild. It's wild. It's it's very true. And it's and it's, you know, to me, it's it's a thing where, you know, it it's it you don't wouldn't even imagine that it when I saw suicide, I thought the endocannabinoid system is involved in suicide. And, and that to me was like somehow hit, hit me in a way that was like, it's just really so, so important. And, and, it, and, and, and then you learn some things like not only was it involved, there were, you know, there were research papers about the endocannabinoid system and suicide. And there was a whole chapter in the book about it. It, you know, and to me, and then of course, there it, it's involved in the cardiovascular system, it's involved in the nervous system, it's involved in every single system we have. And one of the things that amazed me was this, uh, I was looking, I was writing a, um, a blog piece for the National Cannabis Industry Association, and I was looking at the diseases that are the leading causes of death in the United States, right? And they're all pretty much degenerative diseases. And they, seven of these, and this is how the suicide piece got in there, seven of the ten, top 10 causes of um, death had, you know, evidence, strong evidence of endocannabinoid system. You know, the endocannabinoid system is very important in these diseases. And so then I went and looked at, there, there were, I, I pulled up the cardiovascular system and endocannabinoid system. And like 350 something articles pop up and then I start reading it and it's, 
details, molecular details of the intricacies of how changes are happening. And, you know, these blood vessels are going here. And, and then, and then there was a whole big article about atherosclerosis and how the endocannabinoid system is involved in that. And, you know, the different pathophysiologies of the cardiovascular system are typically having to do with some kind of thing that involves the endocannabinoid system doing something it's not supposed to be doing. And then it can be resolved. And now there are these potential targets, you know, cannabinoid, phytocannabinoid targets that, you know, are there, but, you know, there's, there's a battle we're fighting in all of that. And that is, you know, the pharmaceutical and the medical pharmaceutical establishment, you know, it's, it's something that is, there's a reason endocannabinoid is not in the Guyton and Hall physiology textbook. (laughs) It's not, you know, an accident. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I don't know. I I think you probably know that. I think all of us in the industry know that, right? I mean, that's one of the biggest battles we face, I think, as an industry is how can we get, how can we get our medicine regulated so that everybody can have it, legalize it, of course, so that everybody can have it and not have it be turned into a single molecule or, you know, a pharmaceutical product because it's not going to work that way. It doesn't, that's not the way cannabis works. (laughs) Yeah. I, I guess to extrapolate it out though, in theory, you could put enough of the different isolated phytocannabinoids in the right kind of formulation together into a pill in order for it to work in theory, um, which would be great if they actually go that direction. But right now they're dealing solely in isolates and it's not affecting the change in the cause that they want. Right. Right. And they, and, and, and the agencies are not willing to accept the fact that cannabis is medicine. They, they, and it's a plant and it's a plant just like turmeric, <laughs> you know, there's, there's, there's a mechanism for us to regulate it right now. And there, the big holdup is because someone decided it's intoxicating. Well, you know, some people would say rhodiola is, you know, has some uh, intoxicating effects that certain and not intoxicating necessarily, but certainly does something for your mind. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, there's all kinds of plants that do things in your mind. And so, because they declared back in you know the early 1900s that this is a a, a horrible thing. It's a terrible thing. <laughs> it's going to kill you. And 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 that's the other thing that cracks me up is we have all of this uh, evidence from you know we talk about well 5,000 well just about 5,000 years ago when the Chinese emperor wrote that pharmacopoeia that had cannabis in there for and the, the thing that cracks me up is he had it in there as a a, a cure or a remedy for over a hundred different conditions and remedies, which if you take like all of the conditions and diseases that are, you know, grounds for uh, getting a medical cannabis card across the collective states that have, you know, those things, there are many of them, they're the same exact disease from 5,000 years ago. (laughs) It's wild. It's wild. You know, it is. And, and, and it's wild because, there is even evidence, there's archaeological evidence that goes back, not printed evidence that shows that, you know, cannabis was used in uh, rituals and in, you know, religious ceremonies. And, you know, it was a sacred plant. It was very clear from the archaeological evidence from way back, 12,000, even I saw one paper that said 20,000 years ago, some, there was some evidence of a, in an archaeological dig. 
you know, yeah, it's, it's been, I, I just in the end of May, there was published archaeological in an archaeological magazine about the Judaic ceremonies that they would use and use using cannabis and frankincense together in order for them to accomplish all of their spiritual and ritualistic need. things. And yeah, it, it's all the traditions have been using it for a very long time. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to backtrack a little bit into um, when you were talking about suicide and, mm-hmm. and PTSD and things like that, which is a major contributor to people taking their own lives. And yes. the pharmaceutical industry has really zeroed in on the serotonergic pathways as their way to try to solve this issue. And it seems that that's not working. I mean, yes. half the people it doesn't do anything for, and then 30% of the people, placebo works better. So it's, clearly it's not working. Right. Um, and I guess I was really struck by when you were saying that CBD has an effect on dopamine, has an effect on serotonin as well. I wonder if you could just dive a little deeper into that. That was really catching me. Well, you know, it's, you know, I, I think that the, the, I can dive deeper into it in, in the sense of the, I'm, I, I can't really describe just off the top of my head, this, the serotonin, you know, the actual, what it does to the pathway. I know that it, it, Actually, the dopaminergic pathway. I have it right down here somewhere. If you want to, if you want, I because I it's like it does. I don't want to tell you something that's not true, but I know I have it right here. But the dopaminergic pathway is maybe it's like going to be too hard for me to find it. I have a big notebook here, and I don't know where it is. In the that's okay. We could paint with broad brush strokes for now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah no, it, it it does. It has an an, an effect. And I, it, it wasn't, I'm not sure um, exactly what it was. So I'm not going to say, you know, but I, but I will, but I will say that I will, I do want to talk about the suicide part of it because I think it's relevant that, you know, the, that the, that the issue is that there's something wrong with the, the things I read about the suicide part with there's there's something wrong with the endocannabinoid system and relative to PTSD and, and serotonin and and dopaminergic pathways, all of those things are really connected to each other. And, you know, they, they, they connect to each other and then have either a positive or a negative effect on, so the, the, whatever, whatever it was, the CBD had either a positive or a negative effect on the dopaminergic pathways. The fact that that's true and the CBD part of it is, is important in terms of the importance of cannabis to people who have PTSD because now you if you realize that you have a problem with your endocannabinoid system and my own personal belief and and even I've read something about it but the endocannabinoid system is I'm not going to say it it's can't be destroyed but it has damage done to it when there is traumatic events so that's why so many veterans have PTSD that's why people who have been abused as children or have had an abusive relationship in, a, in as an adult or whatever kind of thing, trauma it is. I mean, even 9-11. I mean, there are people all over the country who have PTSD from 9-11 and they were nowhere near the place. So it tra- was a traumatic event. But the, the gravity of the damage to the endocannabinoid system, I think, is something that is a field for research. And in fact, I'm hoping to um, work with some cannabis clinicians to like ha- ha- look at that specifically relative to the kinds of things beyond PTSD, because we know that 
the endocannabinoid system does so many things. And imagine, a, you know, a child who's been abused their entire life and then they end up, you know, becoming a drug addict or whatever they become. They end up killing themselves. Whatever they do, it's because of the damage that that did to their endocannabinoid system. So now they can't get to the space where they need to be. You know what I mean? Because it's because it's the the components aren't there. They're, they're, they don't work the way they're supposed to. They may be there, but they don't work the way they're supposed to for whatever reason. And that's a field. That's something that there's been some study on. But it, you know, there's it's something that I think needs to be looked at um, more closely because I think that you know there may be ways of changing human behavior based on what we might learn. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, and I think it would be incredibly helpful. And it seems because we don't actually need to have the plant to be able to study the ECS, right. which is a bonus right now because with yes. the FDA scheduling, it's, it's super hard to study the plant. Yes. So we can actually do these kind of studies to find out what's going on with the endocannabinoid system. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and they would be, I think they would be useful. And, you know, the FDA, they, I don't know what the answer is. Maybe you have some ideas about how you can do it. I know that the, the FDA put out a, a public comment thing in maybe two months ago or so. And so, of course, the NCIA is wanting to respond to them. And, you know, they're calling it a drug. And we're like, you can't call it a drug. It's a plant, <laughs> you know. And we're writing this whole big thing about it. But it's not, it doesn't work. I actually attended the FDA conference on uh, cannabis last May. Did, did you know there was, did you hear about that? There was an no. FDA public hearing a public hearing on May 31st in 2019. And, you know, I was telling you my, my funny story uh, before about how I got into cannabis and, um, and learned about it and went to that cannabis conference in Baltimore. And when I went there, one of the people that I talked, spoke with um, asked me if I had heard about, cause I, you know, talked about that, how important the endocannabinoid system is and how cannabis, blah, blah. And I was just doing my thing. And, well, did you know there's this FDA hearing for public comments and, you know, you could potentially, um, you know, write, you know, you can go, you can register to go and then you can write something. And, and so I, I did that. And then they said, you can write comments or you can, uh, you know, put in an application to do a, a talk, you know? And I said, well, I prefer to do a talk. <laughs> I, I want people to hear what, what I want to say. And, and so I thought, well, this, they're never going to pick me. And but they did. <laughs> It's weird. And so I, you know, I created a, a PowerPoint. We had five minutes and it was very clear that you, you could, they picked, they had people doing two minute presentations and five minute presentations, but they told you up front that you're getting cut off at the end of five minutes. So you can't go over it. Cause it was from eight o'clock in the morning till six o'clock at night. It was tight. <laughs> anyway, um, my, I created a talk entitled um, the endocannabinoid system as scientific proof that cannabis is medicine. And, um, you know, it, it, it's just my belief. It's my belief that it is. And I, and that coupled to the, the historical use of cannabis that we have, how is it, how is it not medicine? And how can you not, how can you not be, how can you be the FDA and not call it medicine? You know what I mean? It's like the evidence is there. There's the Schaefer report. There's, there was a whole, there's the, uh, the, the LaGuardia report. There's the, National Academy of Science report and, and National Institutes of Health reports that all talk about that it's not a, a dangerous drug, that it does have medicinal value, da 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 da. 
and yet they still maintain their little thing. No, this is a drug. <laughs> Well, there you have it. That was part one with Anne Allworth. She is brilliant. She is funny. She is fantastic. And I'm very excited to bring you part two next week. I hope you're getting as much out of this as I think that you will. There's a lot of information in there and a lot of really, really strong science behind what the endocannabinoid system does and how it works with pretty much every single cell in the body. It's wild. And if you haven't already, Make sure you get over in the meantime and leave us a rating. Give those five stars of the galaxy to let other people know exactly how great this show is and how beneficial it will be to their lives. So make sure you get over and do that. And until next time, I'll come at you with part two. Please stay healthy and enjoy yourself. This Edge of Cannabis Medicine podcast is copyright EM2P2 Inc. 2020. All rights reserved. Podcast use and availability is governed by terms and disclaimers available at edgeofcannabismedicine.com forward slash terms. I'm your host, Matthew Myro, and thank you for listening.